Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I am very excited to introduce you to our guest today. She is a friend that I met in New York just a few months ago at the Digital Agency Expo after her keynote presentation. We had a drink. She invited me onto her podcast. And now she's here today to share all of her intelligent insights with you. After I saw her speak, I thought, I've got to have her on the show. Her name is Cloda Higgins. She is a digital agency director, a consultant, and a coach with the Grow It Group based in Ireland. And she works globally with all kinds of agency owners and different agencies all across the world. She's an ex-HubSpotter, and she's worked with over 500 agencies around the world, helping them in areas of sales, marketing, uh, services, scaling, profitability, just about everything that you need to do in order to be successful as an agency owner. She's helped people with that. And with all of that, I'm very excited to welcome her to the show. So, Cloda, thanks for taking the time to be with us here today. Like Marcel, I'm so delighted that I'm here. And I can't believe it was a few months ago. It only feels like a few days ago. But yeah, it was September and we're here now in November. Well, that, you know, time uh, flies when you're having fun, I know. right? When we're having fun and helping one agency at a time. It's uh, an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, I just can't wait to dig into this because I remember watching your keynote at Digital Age to Expo and thinking, man, I like there's so much gold in here that I just want to encaps- encapsulate into a podcast episode so that it can be listened to over and over and over again. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, let's get into it. Before we dive into the details, I'd love mm-hmm. to give you um, just a moment to explain probably a little better than I can what you do, who you serve and uh, what you're up to today. Yeah, so I'm really passionate about helping agency owners have the business of their dreams. I think what's happened with the the agency owner when he starts the business or she or a couple, they're really passionate about doing marketing, doing web design, doing all these things that they love to do or they're leaving a corporate job. But what happens when you start employing a team of people, the agency takes on a new life. And the employees that you hire need very different things from the entrepreneur that opens the business. And I think that's the biggest challenge that I've helped agencies overcome is just go, you have employees, they need certain things, you are an entrepreneur and you need certain things and how I can help them work together to both get the goals that they want. Uh, That's been the the thing that I love to do most, um, that I do it all day, every day. And I think it's very topical because from my experience speaking to a lot of agency owners, this is one of their top challenges at all times is people, right? People aren't predictable. Yeah. I remember um, actually last week in San Francisco, Rob Hart said something I found very funny. He said, the best thing about our businesses is that they're made up of people. And the worst thing about our businesses is that they're made up of people. And I think yeah. that rings true. So we're going to yeah. dig into that a little bit more today. But before we do that, I'm curious. What made you want to get into doing this as a consultant and coach? How did you Mm. get here? Yeah, so I used to own my own agency. So I started doing digital marketing and just one-on-one for companies. I used to live in Sydney, Australia. 
Um, but I was starting to get to the stage where I felt like I wanted to come home. I could see that all the big tech companies were, were coming to Dublin. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, HubSpot. And I made a choice to move back home to start again. And I started, I opened my agency uh, to be home with my family. And then after a few weeks, I actually got hired by HubSpot. And I was employee number 45 in the Dublin office. It's now got about 700 people in there. And they hired me to um, try this new role, which was called a channel consultant. And when somebody would buy, an agency would buy HubSpot software, they would come to me and I would help them implement the software, get a result for their marketing and help them with their clients' results as well. So it was around supporting them with the software. But what was happening was after about six months of building this relationship, they started to ask me questions about profitability hiring, um, culture. And I went on a quest to find the best agencies in the HubSpot ecosystem. I thought was the best thing, just starting there. Who was doing a great job? What were they doing? And I started to learn about the best practices and then would share that information with um, my agencies. I was actually put on a special team, like a partner program that was um, doing that full time. So I was actually doing it inside in HubSpot until the Avidly Agency, which is an amalgamation of inbound agencies in Europe, they came into HubSpot and actually met me through the work that I had done. And I said, will you come and help us build this team? We're merging an agency and will you do consulting and help agencies? We'd like you to do it outside. And I'd been four and a half years with HubSpot at that time. So the timing was right. It was um, just, you know, when the stars align. <laughs> Well, there you have it. And so you have got a huge sample size of agencies that you've worked with, obviously, through that time at HubSpot and now as a solo consultant. Um, so this question is going to be very well informed. What in your mind is one of the top challenges or some of the top challenges that you see agencies struggling with across the board? Yeah, so definitely the number one thing is to just fix that relationship of giving the employees what they need. It's the mindset of an entrepreneur is very different from the mindset of an employee. So entrepreneurs who open the business, they have generally got this incredible story, which is something around they left a job, they wanted to work for themselves, they're passionate, they work day and night. But entrepreneurs generally don't need structure. They don't need a career map. They don't need a future. And they're also really good at starting things and not finishing them because they either lose interest or they don't see the business value in it. All of those things are the total opposite of an employee. So employees like a career plan. They want to know their pay. They want to know when they're getting a, pay, a promotion. They want to know when they can take holidays. They want to know if they can work from home. They want to start a project, do it and finish it. They like to see things complete. So the difference with agencies is agency owner needs employees to have a big business. They can't do everything themselves, but the employees do not need the entrepreneur. They can go and work in a bank. They can go and do anything, but they've chosen this person. They want to work in the agency because it's exciting. It's dynamic and it's different and the entrepreneur's vision. But if you don't give them a structure and some routines and HR policies and all of those things, it's a recipe for disaster. So that's the first thing that I go in and help with is, is to figure out how can those two people work together harmoniously 
and get what they want to move towards a common goal? Certainly a big challenge is all about those people. And it's funny that you bring this contrast up because I never quite thought about it that way, but it's so true. There is often such a a contrast between, you know, the owner mentality versus employee mentality. Not to say that one is better than the other, but they're just very different. Right. So, and so this if you is, asked to just, you know, if you, if you ask an entrepreneur, how many books are you reading? You know, what are you reading at the moment? And they go, oh, I'm in the middle of four books, right? <laughs> right? They go, oh, I'm in the middle of four. You ask an employee, they go, I'm reading this book to the end, even if they don't like it. But we entrepreneurs, we'll start it. We're like, mm, don't like this. Or we get distracted or we pick up something else. And so if you're an agency owner today, right? And if you are go- walking into your own business and you're going, I've got this great new idea and you are getting sort of a bit of eye rolls and a bit of, oh, or a bit of fatigue, like new idea fatigue is, is, is a proof that you have started too many things and you haven't finished them. So that's something to keep an eye out on. And then you have to sit down and go, okay, what do we need to finish? What are we letting go? Why are we letting go? Because if you're, if you're not completing things because of the business case, you have to tell your employees why you're doing it. You have to say, this financially will not work out, so we're stopping it now. But you have to tie it up in a bow for them. Hmm. You know, this is interesting. I, I listened to a great podcast where Stuart Butterfield from Slack was talking about how he had this horrible habit internally of throwing wrenches at his team and it became an internal joke like here comes one of his wild ideas again and it's how he derailed first company that you know, mm-hmm. eventually turned into slack but um, yeah. it can be a big problem it absolutely can so if your team isn't getting all fired up over your new ideas look back and see which ones okay. you didn't think <laughs> so one of the things that you um, know a lot about and you gave some great insights in New York on is around how to build a great culture at a company. Mm-hmm. And then all the things that kind of could stack up on top of that in order to build great relationships and a great environment with your team. So what are some of those kind of fundamental elements that every agency owner should make sure they've got a hold of that kind of sets the foundation for having a great culture inside of their team? Yeah. So the culture starts with the agency owner themselves. So the first thing to do and a great book to read, which I just recommend over and over again. And then I saw it. It was here on the top of my (laughs) pile of books. It's Traction by Gino Wickman. And it helps Mm -hmm. you organize the core values of yourself is the first thing that you've got to start with. So taking yourself as an agency owner to go off and go, what are your core values? What are the values that you want in your business? And then sitting down with your team to talk about, do they all agree? And if those values are in place, how would they be demonstrated as a result of both internally for the team and for your clients? So an example of that would be, the agency owner, right? You know, I want to build an agency of experts with the best um, team there. So that would be expertise could be a value. So how that would be demonstrated internally would be we have a culture of learning. So everyone learns and everyone's upskilling. How the client would see that is going, I'm working with a team of experts because they're always learning new things. So you've got to start with your own values as an agency owner and get the team together to get their values and how they would be demonstrated. Next thing you do then is to organize a really small, just a, 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 an agency culture committee and give them a bit of a budget. And you just start very simple with all the birthdays. When are the birthdays on? Who's ordering cake that week to make sure there's a cake on the table for the birthday that's happening? If there's loads of birthdays, group them all into one in a particular week. You just start with simple things like that. 
the next thing you would do is to organize celebrations around end of month results. You want everyone to understand that they are contributing to the profit of the business. The profit of the business means you have disposable income if you are profitable. So if everyone understands, if they sell something, because everyone should be selling, if they upsell a client, if they do their work in a profitable way, if they're not taking too long to do things, if they're getting results for the clients, if at the end of the month you have hit your target and you have a profitable base, you know, you can celebrate that. Now, if for some reason you haven't hit the target, there's two ways to do this. You don't want to punish people for working hard. So you would have two events. You will have one event, which is beers and pizzas in the office with a small celebration of acknowledgement. Okay, we didn't hit our target. You know, we're not going spending too much money on this, but we do want to acknowledge that Sophie did a great job of selling. You know, Ryan over there, he did some great work in X, Y, and Z. But if you will go over your target with profit and revenue, and um, revenue, you can make a celebration. You can say, we'll do a team day out because we have more income to spend on that. So then everyone becomes personally responsible for the actions of the business. So, And they know that if they work hard and they contribute, that they are going to be rewarded for that. And that's giving them a good understanding of how the business works as well, because it's a very simple business. You've got to do great work for clients in a reasonable amount of time that makes a profit, that gets results for them, that they're happy so that they can buy again. That's it. Pretty straightforward stuff. I love this idea of creating a culture committee and getting your team involved in making sure that, you know, the culture is something that's always being Kind yeah. of put forward that there's new ideas that's being celebrated. Yeah, um, yeah I think just, that's really you know, important. And just do you know birthdays and a month end doesn't have the Christmas party or the holiday party or whatever. It doesn't have to be fancy. But the other thing yeah. as well is please make sure that you have the office decorated to the the, the standards that people want. There's too many agencies I see don't have anything in their office. So give them a budget, let them go to Ikea and let's splash out on some pictures and get your values up on the wall. Have a painting evening where they would write the values on some canvas and get them up on the wall. You People like to feel at home. The offices can't be, you know, office space cubicles anymore. It's not that world. So that contributes to the culture. Um, another thing to, you know, I'm giving you some tips here. If you're an agency owner and if you are going into your business and there are dirty cups in the morning, if you're in first and there's dirty cups, the kitchen hasn't been cleaned, milk hasn't been organized, you've got a problem with culture. Because people who are bonded together, who look after each other, will tidy up after each other. They see they're taking care of their surroundings, their environment, because they're invested in it. So if you're going in and giving out to people about somebody didn't clean up the cups, that's not nothing to do with the cups. They're not bonding. They're not taking care of each other. They're not working as a team. And you need to go back to the drawing board and get your culture fixed. Hmm. I like that. And one other thing that I remember you mentioned, um, somebody asked you a question about how do you create that office environment with a remote team? And I love what you said about, you know, get a stuffed animal, get a picture, get something that everybody, mm-hmm. you know, you can send them to send it to them during their onboarding. So they have it in the background and the video calls and whatnot. And I love that idea as well. Yeah. So that increasingly, Your there's logo a lot of practical things. That's right. Your logo in a frame, you know, something that anything, you know, it, it, it could be some swag, logo in a frame, a little pack, the team mascot, yeah, a plant, you know, it could be a cactus in the office and there's a cactus in somebody's home. I love it. 
All right. So there you go. Some, some good, simple action items that you can kind of go back and think about in terms of setting the foundation for your culture. So of course the next piece from there is like, we've got a great culture and now hopefully we're selling lots of stuff. We're making loads of money. We've got to attract more talent. We've got to attract really amazing people that come work at our agency, which is yeah. something that I hear lots of people struggling with all the time, especially as you know, in housing is growing, it's becoming a more competitive market out there. How do agencies set themselves up so that they can be attracting high quality talent when they need it yeah so the 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 thing with recruitment is you're always hiring you have to have an always hiring approach it's really unfair to hire somebody last minute ram them into the job squeeze them into the role fast track their training get them on board with the client really quickly and expect them to turn a result you're just not going to have that person around for the long haul so an always hiring approach for agencies. You have a page on your website that explains your values. You might have an interview with one of your staff going why they like working there, why it's a great place to work. And you say at the bottom of it going, we are always hiring. We are always looking for this, these positions because the rock stars out there are in jobs. Mm. The, they're just looking for something better or to belong to something. So you have to show the personality of the business and you have to make sure that all of your social media is reflecting not just the work that you do, not a big load of me, 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 but also about the team events, the values, the culture of the business. You have to include in that. And so once you actually have an always hiring approach, you would have a form on your website that says, please send your resume and a video of why you think you would be a good fit to join this business. That gives the candidate a good opportunity to go off and do research, to look at you, to find out and to show their demonstration skills. They can actually be quite creative with this. Now you are building a bank of people. So you would maybe have that person in for a coffee. You would bring them and go, look, I haven't got anything immediately, but I have a new client coming on board in March. I'd love to have you in in January so that we can train you up for it. So your sales forecasting needs to be so solid about when you're bringing in new business so that you can get people in a couple of months before you really, really need them. Mm, I love that you just mentioned that because <laughs> it's so that your metrics and your operations can help you with this process a lot because you're totally right. There's nothing worse than just trying to grab somebody and setting them up for failure essentially on their first day of work because you screwed up and you have a client and you need somebody yesterday. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think increasingly too, this, this idea of always hiring, it works especially today because more and more people are doing contract work, they're freelancing or they're doing stuff on the side and maybe they have a full-time job right now, but maybe you can bring them in to kind of help your team out on a client and see if they're a good fit. It doesn't have to be this kind of cut and dry, you know, interview hire situation. You can work with people before you work with them. That's um, right. And I love this approach of keeping, you know, the door open and, and always having the opportunity to meet with people that might be a great fit. Yeah. And if you like a rock star in a company could be like, you might not get them for three months because they might have a two month exit. They might want to go away for a month. They might want to travel. But what you can do is if they say yes and they're on the wind down, so mentally they're checking out of their old job and they're going away, you can give them the onboarding training plan. So while they're at somebody else's office, 
or in the evenings, they could be learning about your business, but you can't give that to them until you have an onboarding calendar for the first 90 days, which would include videos about you, videos about the system, videos about the software that you use. You would have to have a solid training platform. And Praxio from um, Digital Marketer is a great platform to build that out on. We've done that for other agencies before. So now you've got the two things you've hired in advance. They're going to take their time, but you know what people are like. They want to upskill. So they could come to you with the first month of training done. They're prepared. Now you can get them in and get them accustomed, maybe do some marketing for your own agency, and then you can bring them into the client quicker. I absolutely love that strategy because we always talk about how expensive it is to hire talent and how expensive it is to have employee turnover. So why not let the previous employer subsidize some of that? Absolutely. Or they will do it in their spare time or in the evenings. They're eager. They're excited. They've said yes to something. And what do they want to do? They want to give themselves the best chance. So give them everything that they need to do that. Have an online training academy ready to go with interviews and case studies and all the reading. They can do it in the evenings or they can be, they could be put on gardening leave for all you know. You don't know what's going to happen. They could be forced to stop their work, but they're going to be bored. So they would rather learn about your business. But if you don't have that ready. (laughs) (laughs) This is great because I think it leads into the next phase, which is, you know, let's assume now that you've got lots of great people that are kind of coming at you from your network, from your referrals, from your team. And now the question is, well, how do we figure out who's the best fit? How do we make sure that they're successful in our organization? So it's about interviewing and onboarding. I know you shared some really great insights in New York. What are your hot tips around those processes? Yeah, so obviously their resume is going to check out. And then the great tip about having them do a video is going to show their creativity and show if they're going to be a good fit. You're not going to ask them to come in for a face-to-face interview if the video doesn't work. Because let's face it, if video isn't working, they're going to be using video every day, even if they're not customer-facing. So that's a really good thing to do. So the next thing is about the values. You're going to dig in and ask them questions about their values. You've got to get that alignment. Uh, Too many times I hear agency owners say, "Mm, I had a bad feeling about that person. That bad feeling is a gut feeling, which is a misalignment of values always. Mm. So once they're aligned on the values, the next thing to do, I have two really good interview techniques, um, questions that I, I, I make. Um, when I'm working with agencies, I kind of make it part of their process, which is, are they working or um, are they doing extracurricular activity, which would be um, team sports? Are they part of a team? Are they part of a band? Have they got, or are they in a competitive sport environment? What are they doing that's um, helping them to understand being part of a team, working as a collective, dedicating themselves to something is a really good demonstration that they're going to be a good fit in your business. Because obviously you can't ask things like, are you an only child or anything? So you're going to ask about their extracurricular activity. And the other thing that I would make them um, ask the question is, what are their inputs? What are they reading, listening to, watching? What do they absorb? Who are they following? Are they listening to Tony Robbins? Are they following all the um, online marketing influencers? And then ask them, and what kind of things have you learned from them? But if you have somebody who's sitting there going, oh, my free time, Netflix, I just watch binge watch series. And you go, that it? Yeah, that's it. You've got a problem. Because we all know that you've got to personally develop yourself and you've got to learn all the new technology. If you're not listening to podcasts, absorbing new material, that person is going to come into the job, never train, 
couldn't care less. They need a bank job. They do not need your job. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. I love that. That's a great strategy. And then you had talked a little bit also about this strategy of doing group interviews or group projects, which I thought was a really, really great um, way to get two insights, not only how people work, but also how they work with other people, the emotional intelligence side, which is often so hard to measure. Can you shed a little bit more light on that? The element of surprise. So this would be something to organize if you had like four or five excellent candidates, And you can't really decide which one it is. So what you would say to them is, can they come in for a three-hour interview? So you're going to have to book the time. You can't surprise them with the time. So it could be done late in the day, so early afternoon, like the end of their business day, early afternoon. You can organize it that way. But as they come in, the first thing you're going to say is, welcome, and I have a surprise for you. Can you do a team exercise together? The team exercise could be build a campaign for your agency presentation, right? Come up with some ideas. It doesn't matter what the the exercise is. Number one is the element of surprise. You're going to find someone who's going to flinch, who's going to be like, I wasn't expecting that. Well, newsflash, that is the life of an agency. Your whole day (laughs) is full of, I wasn't expecting that. So you're going to see the element of surprise. Then you're going to see if they can handle it. Are they going to be able to think on their feet and do something different? Or have they been in default mode where they were like, I just came here to answer questions. Well, you can come into an agency expecting to do a certain set of tasks, get a fireball thrown at you, and you end up derailing your day. So you need people to be able to adapt and change according to your agency. When you put them in a group, they could do presentations. Out of that, somebody's going to be, you know, the note taker. Someone's going to be a leader who's going to do the presentation. And then you can get them to present back to you. And it just sorts out the, the, the actual dynamics. And then for the, you could do that for one hour. And then for the following two hours, you can interview them one-on-one. I love that strategy. And it's something that we've actually done as well at Parakeeto. I recently did it actually with some hires. Oh, cool. Um, and it was just so interesting uh, to watch, you know, the different levels of emotional intelligence who kind of naturally rose to the leadership position. Right. You know, and we learned a lot. It's so fascinating. I think there's so That's much value. True. There's so much value in test projects. And there's a lot of value also in that kind of a test project where it's an inherently awkward situation to be in, where you're having to work with people that you're competing against and just watching how people can handle themselves in an uncomfortable situation like that. I think it'd be such a cool exercise. And it's, it's going to, it's going to show you all the things that you can't get from a traditional interview process. So I love that. Absolutely. Oh, I'm pleased. That makes me happy that you, so I'm really pleased. (laughs) use that now you've got to be careful with it it can be you know you you just got to be mindful of it it might not work for everyone um but you but it's something you could organize 
Well, and I have to say, like, uh, I, a good friend of mine, Dan, runs a team, and it's full of A players. Like, everybody he hires seems to be an absolute rock star. But then you look at his hiring process, and it's like the Hunger Games. It's it's unbelievable. And so <laughs> I feel like more people need to be, you know, just don't be afraid to, like, make your hiring process different than everybody else's. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of folks are afraid to scare off their candidates, but rock star candidates are just going to stick through it. And if they don't really want to be working for you that bad, then is it such yeah. a bad thing that they opt out and say, I don't want to go through all this work um, yeah. in order to work for you? Maybe yeah. not. So yeah. I love if this. Not, yeah. If they're not able to deal with the element of surprise, like I said, like there are no two days that are the same in an agency. And some people don't like that life. They absolutely love going in, having a nine to five and every day be the same. So it is important for them to understand that that's not what they're going to be joining. Yeah, and then you'll just have a friend at the bank that you just keep sending all of your all of those folks to, and they'll be happy. That's Everyone right. You go, I have a great job for you, and it's here. Ta-da! <laughs> there you go. Um, so I love these tips. I love this onboarding and hiring that you talked about. So let, let's talk about the next piece, which is the onboarding. You find your A player. They're amazing. And now you want to make sure that they have a great experience, that they get ramped up. I mean, we talked about starting them early. That's clearly a key. We talked a little bit about getting them the materials ahead of time so that they can start to get some momentum before they come in the business. Yeah. Anything else that we should be thinking about as we're onboarding these, these new employees to make sure it goes like, well? The first 90 days are critical. Like you just, the, the statistics, I think I read it was 63% of people are leaving jobs within the first 90 days because it's an employee market right now. Mm. And if they're not happy and they're not loving it and they don't feel connected to it. So really it's about planning their onboarding. It's, you know, pre-onboarding is the week before. Make sure everyone knows, by the way, Jack's starting on Monday. Have we got a gift <laughs> for him? Who, where is he sitting? Where is his computer? So it's even pre-onboarding. It's just setting the scene because there is nothing more uncomfortable than joining a company when you weren't expected and you don't feel welcome. And it's all a bit of an inconvenience. You know, someone's like, oh, I have to train a new person. So what you need to do is make sure everyone knows and that there's a big welcome and he's really greeted well. You know, that, that person, he or she is, has been welcomed. But the reason you're going to get that resistance is if you over baked everyone and they have no time. So what you've got to do is create this onboarding calendar, which is self-sufficient. So what you would do is make sure that all the training is online you make videos for online about, you could do a walkthrough of how the kitchen works. If you really want to, you can absolutely document everything in your business, put it in a video and let them sit down and watch it. So one of the things I've seen agencies just roll their eyes. I've even said to them going, hey, if I gave you, you know, a top class account manager, they go, oh, I haven't got time to train them. <laughs> right? <laughs> because they haven't documented everything in their business. So, and everyone in the business goes, oh, I haven't time to train someone else. And that energy comes off with the new person. They go, I feel really unwanted and they're not prepared for me and they didn't have a computer. So your pre-onboarding is as important as when they are physically there. And one of the things that I teach as well is going, let them sit down, playbook, days to do that, they can do HubSpot certifications, marketer certifications they could be sitting there for weeks training and learning and using your own marketing to practice campaigns to practice emails so you're not burning them on a client or anything you're learning on your portals your devices your machinery like your actual platforms okay but the thing you do is you make sure that 
they have a document that they keep questions on. So if they're getting stuck in the middle of the day, they will have a buddy that, that they can talk to. So just buddy them up with someone, generally their team leader, if, if that's available. And if they're yeah. stuck, they have to ask, about, look, I'm stuck, I can't move forward. But if it's something they can wait until the end of the day, they can write down a list of questions. Because sometimes people, when they start in a business, they kind of want to ask questions because they feel like they want to be smart and they do interrupt everyone. And you know that like that question, okay, mate, like that's great, but you don't need to ask that question. So you get them to create a Google Doc and at the end of the day, you go, what are the questions that you want to ask? Let's ask them all in one go instead of this interrupting everyone. So unless they got stuck, they need that they can't move forward. Otherwise, if it can wait till the end of the day, do them all at the end of the day. Some really, really great insights from that, which, and I especially love the one with like, oh shit, you know, Julie starts today. Oh, and then she shows up and, you know, there's no desk ready and we're scrambling. Yeah, Such oh. a terrible first impression. Um, and there's so much to be said, right, about the pre-plan. And a lot of this stuff can be automated, like a new, a new hire email campaign, day one. Hey, here's all the stuff you're going to need. Hey, you know, three days later. Hey, how you doing? Anything you need from us? Hey, we're super excited to see you next week. By the way, here's the address and here's how you get to the office and here's the dress code. Like, and like, that's an automated campaign. And a lot of this stuff can be really figured out. But I love the idea of planning those first 90 days. Um, That's a super powerful insight. And just kind of making sure that you're gearing that person up for success. Because the last thing you want is for them to be one of the 67% within three months. Yep. Massive. And that gets us that gets us into the next thing that I want to talk about, which is retaining talent long term. Because obviously there's a lot of attrition in the first three months, but to your point, it's an employee's market right now, especially in creative services. Um, I think somebody at Agency Expo said that performance marketer was one of the fastest growing job titles in the world, growing 87% year over year. So like wow. Facebook is trying to snatch your people up. HubSpot is trying to snatch your people up. Netflix is trying to snatch your talented people up. And they can pay them a lot of money. So how do you make sure that your people aren't looking for opportunities? They're happy to work for you. They want to stay. They want to continue. How do you solve that challenge? So this will go back to the values that you've created for the business. So as long as you have have people that are aligned with your values, but then you're going to have to dig into yourself and go ask, ask yourself as the agency owner, what are you building? Are you building a business to sell, to scale it, to stabilize it? Or you just want everything to keep, stay the same? Or are you trying to sail away? You're trying to get out. Are you ready to go? And you have to explain what the vision of the business is to your team. They have to know what type of ship they're on, how fast it's going, what's the island that they're heading to, what do they have to improve on as they go there? Do they need to upskill themselves from, you know, I don't know the crew names, but, you know, from one <laughs> crew name to another. I should get that in my repertoire. So It's a nice analogy. Yeah, I use a lot of shipping ones for some reason, but I, I don't know the crew names. But that's, that's what you're essentially doing. Most agencies are building, they're on one type of ship and they're building another one and they need a certain number of crew as, as they're sailing towards their destination. It's full on, right? Yeah. So. Once you've explained that to them, then you can actually see who's on board here. Like who wants to do this? And you can see people are going, oh, now this looks like way too hard. I need to go to Netflix, right? And that's fine. But you have to get those people on board. Once they go, oh, this is a great journey I'm on. Then you have to meet with them one-on-one and find out apart from the money, because most people aren't in an agency for money. Most of them. They are in because they have a feeling about the business and they're excited about the opportunity. 
once you know their professional goals, you've got to dig into their personal goals. And people are at different stages in their life according to their ages because, you know, early 20s, they're like, you know, the chick's probably going, I want a new pair of Louboutins. I'm saving for a Hermes bag. I'm saving for some a, a travel holiday with my girlfriend. So they're saving for things that are kind of like instant. You know, they're doing that. As you get older, like yourself, you're like saving for mortgage, deposits, things like that. So you sit with them and you go, what are their professional goals? And you work out a career plan. Are they going to be a manager of people or an expert individual contributor? They are really the only two roles in an agency. Sometimes agency roles come up like office manager, events manager, not that often. So they'll go, they might not know. Well, then let's explore. Or they know and they're going, I want to manage people. Well, then let's put a path in place for the next three to five years. Now, they might not stay that long, but at least they have a plan. They get a title change every six months if they do these particular things that you've asked them to do. If they study and they hit their numbers. Study, hit their numbers, they get a career um, title change. And then uh, every year there will be a bonus. So once you dig into their personal, you set those or their professional, you set those, their personal goals, everyone should have a number. So there'll be a revenue number that you're trying to hit for the business, profitability number. So account managers, if they're profitable, if they do good work, that gets results for the clients, there's a happiness score for the clients within a particular amount of time, their utilization rate is above 75%. There is going to be more profit in your business to share with everyone in your team. You can then say, I will give you $1,000 towards your Louboutins if these numbers are hit. And those numbers are the ones that you have for your business. Or you can say, I will give you an extra 1000 per quarter to go towards your mortgage deposit. Yeah. So that's how you get that. First of all, they've got to want to be part. They, they've got to know what they're doing. Because if you're going around the business secretly trying to sell it, not telling your staff, you're just, your energy's off. They know they're like, something's up here because they can tell you're not invested. But if you sit with them and you go, this is what I'm trying to build here. I want to, I want to build a business to sell. At least they know what they're in for. And then they can help you do that and go, oh, right. Okay. That means we've got to hit these goals. We've got to get these clients happy. Right. Everyone's in. And are we rewarded for that? Yes, you will. You will get a bonus if we're sold. You know, whatever it is, you tie them in for that. Yeah. No, I, I love this idea of making sure that you understand what they want. They, yeah. they understand what you want. And then you align incentives and career paths around those things. It, it just makes total sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and it, what's interesting to me about this is, you know, you talked a lot about the difference between a person that wants to lead people and a person that wants to be an expert in their space. I think that's a super important distinction because oftentimes we just assume that whoever the top performer is, for example, the best salesperson should become the sales manager. And often that's not the case. No, nearly almost often it isn't. And then they (laughs) don't want to want to manage people and then they're not hitting the same numbers that they are and they get frustrated and they're not doing what they love, which is selling. So, always dig into that managing people is a certain type of dna it's a a really specific role that you've got to love and it's not necessarily the top performer yeah i I like this a lot and the other thing that's interesting about this is somebody said to me last week they said there's basically two kinds of employers in the world there's talent consumers and there's talent producers and his theory was agencies can't really afford to be talent consumers because we can't pay a developer, $250,000 a year. 
We need yeah. to find somebody that's a little bit more junior and we need to develop them into somebody that can do world-class work. And what you're talking about here is a process by which we can actually engineer that into the business through attracting great talent, filtering out the rock stars, and then taking them through a path over yep. a, a few years so that they know exactly what they need to do to become the next version of themselves, to earn more money, to do you know, more important work for themselves, et cetera. And I think it helps everybody. It aligns all the incentives for everybody in one common path. I think that's just a great framework. And when you find out what they need as well, like it could be things that might might not be money. They go, if I could just work from home two days a week, that would really make my life. So you've got to ask them what they need and what they're at. If they say, look, I just... I'll take less money. I just want to work four days a week right now because I've got to look after my mom. You just don't know what's going on in people's lives. And entrepreneurs make an absolute presumption that it's always about money. And it's not because they're motivated by money, you know? So it's like, no, it's not about, so dig in. What's going on at home for them? What do they need? It could be things as well that if you bought something for them, you know, like, it could be an investment that you would buy for them. It could be tax deductible for you, but it's going to make their life so much better. They're going to be loyal to you. You know, like they're, they're going to stay longer. So digging into what's going on with them personally, what are they saving for? What do they need? And sometimes it isn't money. It's a thing or it's just time or, you know, it's just a bit of breathing space. It's absolutely true. And, you know, it's funny, the older I get, the more my priorities change. And the more I realize that things like being close to family and, you know, being in a place where I can afford to buy my first home, like these are things that are very important to me. And I already, you know, I have on many occasions turned down offers to go and do work in different places because I was going to have to give up those things that are actually just more valuable to me than making a few extra dollars. So that's a really, really great point. So we've gone, this is crazy because I try to keep these episodes to 30 to 45 minutes. We've already gone past that. Are you seriously good luck with me? I've been here for four hours on this. I just want to keep going. So I have one final (laughs) question for you before I ask you the final questions. And it's around this last piece, which I think a lot of people struggle with. You know, they start to build their team, especially as an agency owner, you start to hit that level. Maybe the first time it's around eight, 10 people. And then it happens again around 15, 17, 20 ish, where you're having to give up control and empower a leader to take on things that you were doing before. And you're having to put somebody in between you and direct control of whatever that thing is. How do you, as an agency owner, get better at giving up control and empowering leaders and building that trust inside your team? Yeah, Uh, I've written about this in my book. So you've got to actually choose the role that you're going to do. And I think agency owners kind of forget that they've built a machine. They get very emotional about it. And they're going, I should be doing these things. And it's like, no, if you have a role in the business, uh, like roles and responsibilities and a number attached to that, that could be speaking at conferences and bringing leads to your business once a month. Like you can set up a team of people if you read traction and you implement an accountability chart through the entrepreneurial operating system, you will determine how the structure of the business. And it goes through all the roles, all the jobs that need to be done, all the tasks, all the numbers that need to be hit, and you group them into roles. And those roles are then, then you put the people's names in. I see too many agencies built around people personalities going oh Jack's really good at x y and z but that's a mismatch of a role so people need to be like they are account managers with three numbers they've got a utilization number they've got a happiness number 
then you can pick another number for them as well. So everyone has to have that. And then you as the agency owner go, oh, I'd like to do that. You know, in the beginning, you're doing everything. We know that. But over a period of time, you have to decide what you want to do. And if you only want to work one day a week there and you're doing an absolutely amazing job that one day a week, you can still be paid for a full week. It's your business. You decide how it's going to look. And it's a machine. It's a machine with people in it. And probably might be better if you just came in one day and you were in great form and in good mood about it instead of coming in for five days and you're miserable. Yeah. So I write about that. It's it's a accountability chart if you just look that up on YouTube. You've got to set it right. And you've got to stop putting people in roles because, oh, he's really good at landing pages and doing a bit of business development and speaking. Mess. <laughs> you know, give people roles that they can get focused on and get really good at. And then decide what you're going to do and what's your number. And then hire everyone else. Yeah, I love that insight. And so more on that in the book, which will be linked in the show notes, as well as Traction by Gino Wickman will down the show notes. And on that, um, you're producing world-class content all the time. You have a podcast, which I was on. Um, yes. Could you share some of the different places where people can go and follow you and learn more from your brilliant mind? Yeah, the agency life is kind of, you know, because I've grown with the business, but if you go to agency life on Twitter or YouTube, or um, you'll see by grow it, You'll find my materials there. So I have a YouTube channel. I'm always pumping out content there. The podcast is called Agency Life. It's on all the platforms. And that's just a conversation of highs and lows of running the business. I think it's one of the things that I just love more than anything is the personalities that I meet with agency owners. There isn't one square one that I've ever met a boring agency owner. (laughs) They're so interesting and so driven and so passionate and have many stories to share. So there, and yeah, that's where you'll find me or Cloda at Grow a Group if you just wanted to use old email. Awesome. So if you're listening and you're thinking, I've got to, got to get more Cloda in my life, um, which is, <laughs> was not my natural reaction when I first discovered Cloda, scroll down to the show notes. There'll be links to all the resources that we discussed, including the book, the podcast, the YouTube channel, the website, as well as her email if you want to reach out and get in touch. And with that, Cloda, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing so much value. I really appreciate you being here today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Marcel, and wearing a fabulous Parakito shirt again. <laughs> I specifically wore something different for you too. <laughs> I appreciate it. You look marvelous as usual. That purple hair. If you're not watching this on video, head on over to YouTube. Hopefully by the time you're listening to this, it'll be on there. Um, and wherever you're listening to this, leave us a comment down below. Let us know what you enjoyed from the show, what you got from it. And thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.